What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode number 33 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, alongside Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation. What is up, BLG? Now can you hear me? I was muted there. Off to a bad start, not going to lie. Bad start. Uh, I was saying I like how we have the same name and Twitter display without like coordinating that beforehand. Totally just uh, on the same wavelength there. That's good. I also have a Apple podcast review. Can I read that for you? Uh, before you do, I just want to welcome everybody watching on Facebook. As you can tell, this is our sort of maiden voyage into the live stream here. So we really appreciate you watching. Uh, we're trying to get things up and running because we want to do a live draft show for you. We're going to have basically all the SB Nation NFL contributors on draft night chiming in, reacting to everybody's picks. It's going to be a lot of fun. So before we do that, we you know we want to get our feet wet with the live stream thing. So bear with us. There might be a couple little you know hiccups here and there, but we'll get it right. All right. So the review for you here, Stats, it's uh, from the Blue Spruce titled Give BLG a Promotion. Great slate of shows, but I am surprised that you haven't realized yet that BLG is the capital T talent and should be the main man on every show. Make it happen. Sincerely, uh, Brandon LG. Uh, So really nice review there from the listeners. Really appreciate that. Brandon LG, huh? That's uh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely not Bobby G telling Rob that Rob deserves a promotion. <laughs> we do appreciate all the reviews. Even if you have like a ghostwriter like BLG, who was obviously trying to pump himself up, please keep them coming. Rate, review, subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. We really do appreciate it. We have a lot to do on today's show. It's sort of been getting busier as we've started this morning. We're going to get into the retirement of Alex Smith. We're going to talk to Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. He's going to give us his Alex Smith thoughts. I'll have mine as well since he played for, you know, the Chiefs and the Niners and Washington. We're going to get into an extension from Mike Tomlin. Congratulations there. He gets in a three-year extension through 2024. And there's, there's as always, more draft rumors we want to get into. So we have a lot to do on today's show. Let's welcome in Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride because he's very excited. He loves the ever dapper Pete Sweeney, loves to look good. So he was excited that we're going to do the live stream. Pete, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, fellas. And first, BLG, thanks for filling in for Monday Football Monday. Uh, the Chiefs were not planning around the SB Nation NFL show. They decided to roll out Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes during our <laughs> recording time yesterday. So I appreciate you filling in. Usually, uh, you know, I feel uh, so so you know, in between about you, but I, I do feel good about you today. Well, I'll take it, and uh, thanks for coming here on the podcast, oh, Pete. No problem. No, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. So Alex Smith retires yesterday after 16 seasons in the league. 
basically met with universal praise. I mean, there are few people around the league who are as admired as Alex Smith. And I'm a little jealous of you, Pete, because you got veteran Alex Smith who'd been through the fires, who'd had success, and he came to a very stable, nice organization. I got, in 2005, (laughs) 20-year-old Alex Smith going to a complete dumpster fire at the time, my San Francisco 49ers. So I'm jealous because you got the benefit of all the crap that he went through in San Francisco. Yeah, well, the problem, just quickly touching on San Francisco, is the organization kept changing the offense on him. Wasn't it like three or four years in a row where they had new coaching staffs, new offensive staffs? And I don't think any quarterback could really find success or get into a groove if they have that type of situation. And so he was thrown aside. He had a career. He's a pretty good player. I'd put him typically each year. I think he was in that like a top 11 to maybe 15 range. Probably there are some people who would tell you that were lower than that, but just a really solid quarterback that just kept on running into these phenom quarterbacks. Don't forget, he ran into the phenom that was Colin Kaepernick when he went crazy over the league and was really playing a style of football that no one had really played before. Um, kind of Michael Vick-esque, but ma- making it his own in a sense with his ability to uh, throw the football a- as well. Uh, he ran into Patrick Mahomes, and then most recently he ran into Taylor Heineke, another another phenom. So, <laughs> uh, you know that that's kind of a string of bad luck. But I just think throughout his career, uh, a solid quarterback, especially for Andy Reid, when Andy Reid uh, turned the clock back to what was RPOs and what he was doing at Utah, and really, okay, how can we make him comfortable and find success with him? And you look at his record in Kansas City in the regular season, fifty and twenty six. So he's a fifty win quarterback. Uh, he was able to get the Chiefs and lead the Chiefs to a 30 to nothing wild card win in 2015 in Houston, which was their first playoff win in two decades. And so I think he took a franchise that uh, was two and 14, was in the doldrums of the league and really turned it around. I tweeted this yesterday, but the Chiefs have a ring of honor and a Chiefs Hall of Fame where they put the names one name up each year. To me, you know, at least sometime in the next decade, Alex Smith is a no brainer there, probably the third best quarterback in franchise history behind Patrick Mahomes uh, and Len Dawson just turned the franchise around with Andy Reid. And at the time, the general manager was John Dorsey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, hang on. Better than Trent Green? I think so. I joke about this with RJ and he doesn't realize that I'm half serious. I like Alex Smith more than I like Tony Romo because I just think Alex Smith what? showed a consistency and ability to win not not in the playoffs, but big games in the regular season to propel the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I covered this uh, Chiefs team, I believe it was 2014, 2015, that was one and five. And they went off and won 10 games in a row to make the playoffs. Do you think Tony Romo or Trent Green are doing that? I don't I don't think so. I put Alex Smith number three. I, I can understand arguments for Trent, though. Trent was very good for Kansas City in the early 2000s as well. So that was actually my question that I had for you here, Pete. Uh, I, I had the no-brainer line. I was going to bring that up. I wanted to hear your case for that. You kind of laid it out a little bit. Um, I saw some pushback on that, though. I saw yeah. some Chiefs fans. And that was kind of always my thing with Alex Smith from afar. I was like and, – and obviously, you know, I kind of had a pulse on that just because of Andy Reid and everything, kind of keeping yeah. up with what he was doing in Kansas City. And I was like – I just the ceiling. There's a ceiling with this team. There's always a ceiling with Alex Smith. Like you never felt like you yeah. could really get over the hump. Like you would be a good team. No one's no one would doubt that you can like win double digit games, maybe even every year, uh, or at least be in the mix to do that. But it's just like you're not getting to the the AFC Championship game, and maybe that's yeah, your but, ceiling. Brandon, you I, I mean, but 
like you think about it, Nick Foles and like Joe Flacco are mostly outliers. Other than that, it's been like the same quarterbacks that always, I mean, how many teams do you have that quarterback? Is it 25 that you don't in the league where you maybe feel, okay, five to seven quarterbacks could potentially, you know, win um, what would be a Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. And so I don't, I, I would agree with you. I'm not necessarily sure that Alex Smith had the ability to will his team to a Super Bowl, but I, I fire back how many teams do have that guy and how many really need, like I, you know, Peyton Manning was that guy, but at that, that last Super Bowl that he won, he was not. And it was the defense. That was another outlier season for me. But, but most of the time, you need one of these top five, top seven guys to get it to, to get it done for you. And I'll throw it back to you with the Philly thing, too. And, and this will relate relate to your your beat. Uh, they brought in Jalen Hurts last year and Carson Wentz, a former MVP candidate, one of that we, you would consider at a certain point top five guy crumbled under the pressure they bring in Patrick Mahomes from all the stories that year at practice he was slinging the ball throwing these around the back passes no look passes and he had the best season of his career in in 2017 the Chiefs were able to flick him uh, flip him for a pick and a cornerback in Kendall Fuller who made the game ceiling interception in their Super Bowl championship and then Alex Smith because of what he was able to do in Kansas City was able to sign this lucrative contract like we'll see what happens with Carson Wentz um, but, you know, I don't think that is always the case where it motivates you to the point of having the best year of his career. And another thing on the Mahomes thing, we've seen messy situations. I look at the Green Bay Packers first with Brett Favre and the Aaron Rodgers transition and now a little bit to the Rodgers Jordan Love transition potentially uh, where it can get a little bit messy. Alex Smith wasn't happy with the pick initially, but then he got to training camp and he really dove in with Patrick Mahomes. He taught him how to be a professional. And in 2018, Patrick Mahomes was ready to carry a football team and that helped lead to his super or I should say um, season AP NFL MVP, the Associated Press, not Arrowhead Pride, by the way. Uh, but yes. Um, so I just think there are so many reasons uh, why he was important to the franchise. And then once he went to Washington with that whole story, why he was so important to the league, you know, not not necessarily finding that glory of a Super Bowl championship in Washington, but just an injury where no one would have blamed him if he said, I'm never looking at a football again and then found his way starting and leading his team to the playoffs uh, again, a little bit out with a whimper because of the injury and the complications with that. But I just think a solid career. Certainly, you know, nothing as far as an NFL great would go, but just the importance that he was to the franchise uh, that was the Kansas City Chiefs. And and again, the NFL as a whole with that Washington stint, I just cannot uh, be argued with. I think that one of the things we do with players, especially guys that do not have the raw statistics to be, you know, Hall of Famers and stuff like that, is we we kind of play up the other contributions that they may have made. I agree that Alex Smith was an, a phenomenal teammate. You talked about it. You know, he kind of got jumped by Colin Kaepernick and then replaced by Patrick Mahomes. But to me, like Patrick Mahomes was going to be great. If Alex Smith never existed, Patrick Mahomes would be fantastic. Like, yeah, I'm sure it helped. But at the same time, I think the Chiefs would have been better off playing Mahomes right out of the gate. I think that we overstate Alex Smith's significance in that because we like him because he's just a great person. Yeah, but I think teams in the league saw what happened in Kansas City and they're doing it right on your beat in San Francisco right now. Unless, you know, you don't necessarily believe that they're telling the 100 percent truth at the press conferences where they're very, very clearly taking a quarterback at number three. And they have very, very clearly stated that Jimmy G is going to get the Alex Smith year. And so, yeah, you might say, OK, I, I, yeah, I see you shaking your head so you can rebut here. But I, I hear what you're saying. But I think teams in the league are really all trying to replicate that. I think um, Los Angeles 
wanted to replicate that. And then their doctor uh, punctured the starting quarterback's lung and they just <laughs> couldn't go with that plan. And, and Herbert proved that he was ready. And, and that that probably isn't necessarily a full case study to support what I'm saying. But what I, I think teams saw what happened in Kansas City, saw the success, how ready Patrick Mahomes was, how comfortable he was in what, that first year after that redshirt season. And I think they're trying to, to, to do the, the same. And again, we will see if that plays out the way it did in Kansas City in San Francisco. Yeah, I think Ooh. it's nuts. Uh, sorry, BLG. No, I think sorry. that the, the Chargers were 100% wrong for not playing Herbert right away. I think it was crazy to do that. And I think the 49ers, you're going to see, are going to ship Jimmy out as soon as they make their pick. <laughs> you play the guy right away because the second you draft him, the clock is ticking on that contract. And the best thing you can have is a quarterback on a rookie deal to waste one of those years because you want to give Jimmy Garoppolo or anybody another shot just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. BIG, am I nuts? Um, I don't think uh, we've talked about this. I think, you know, in today's NFL, you know, as opposed to Aaron Rodgers, when like the Packers were able to sign him to that seven year deal or whatever it was as a rookie, it's just kind of like a different uh, landscape in terms of sitting a guy and bringing him along. It feels like in today's NFL, you don't really have to do that as much because you can just get a guy when you need a guy at that time, most years. Um, but I wanted to ask a question to both of you, and maybe it's a dumb question. Someone say there are no dumb questions, but I don't know where you necessarily stand on this. So I'm just kind of genuinely curious. This is even for the show as much as my own curiosity. I'm just uh, working this in here. So who won the uh, 49ers Chiefs version of the Alex Smith trade? Ooh, it's for both of you. I think you got to say Kansas City, right? Um, the 49ers, they did get to a Super Bowl, which obviously was great. Um, but you could argue that they might have done that with Alex Smith anyway. They had just gotten to the NFC Championship game, so, you know, the team was obviously very good. The Chiefs started winning right away. Like, I don't know, Pete, maybe I'm wrong, but I I give the slight edge to Kansas City. Well, I, I also think the way that uh, Kaepernick's career kind of petered out when it came to on the field, and, you know, I definitely fall into the camp where I think he should have been in the NFL for the past five years. I don't know if he's a starter in the league. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to get into to that rabbit hole right now, but uh, just the way that it finished in, in San Francisco uh, where maybe they did maybe make a mistake when it came to on the field play and not wanting to start necessarily um, Alex Smith. And then yes, Alex came to to Kansas city and, and that's not talked about, you know, I, I don't think nationally and, and not that I blame anyone, but there was just such a turnaround. I mean, they, you, they, you blinked, Alex Smith was there, and the Chiefs end up ripping off this nine and zero, nine and zero start in uh, the the beginning of the Alex Smith era. And I I believe they finished that season eleven and five. Um, after again two and twelve, they went from two and or I'm sorry two and fourteen to what was a, a eleven and five. Um, and so just that turnaround, a lot had to do with Andy Reid and and using Alex Smith in, in the way that I, I don't know if he was ever used before. Um, and then getting to the, the wild card. And then there was that heartbreak uh, in the wild card game where they were up big against Indianapolis. And that was probably the most memorable moment of Andrew Luck's career where the Colts are able to to come back. So the, the year didn't end uh, as Chiefs fans would have wanted to. But I, I think the Chiefs ended up winning that trade. I believe it was two second round picks, um, if I'm remembering that correctly. And so, yeah, that was well worth it for Kansas City. And the weird thing about that game against the Colts is Alex Smith didn't play bad. Like usually when there's a giant comeback, the other quarterback starts throwing picks or fumbles or turning the ball over. 
but he played great in that game. He never really stopped playing well. And the Colts still came back and won. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like Alex Smith to me is not the hot tub of quarterbacks, but he's a nice bath. I mean, if you need to relax and, and have your, and, and it's solid. Baths are always solid. You always feel, feel better about him. But is it, is it the hot tub that's going to get you to the promised land? I don't, you know, I don't know. I want to bring my perspective in here on Alex Smith as the tail end of his career. I was literally there for his last game, which was <laughs> the Eagles purposely trying to lose, uh, <laughs> to make sure they get a better draft pick. And obviously that allowed Washington to win the NFC. So that was his last game. And I mean, it was pretty apparent to me that he was kind of just done. Like, I mean, the fact that they had to play Taylor Henneke, you know, in the playoffs, like, I mean, they had to, like he, he was just done. Like he couldn't really move around. Uh, but From, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, I know what no, you're no. saying. I think we all like saw that. And like, there was that tease yesterday on ESPN where he flirted a little bit with the Jacksonville Jaguars would have been, yeah. I don't think the Jaguars were starting Alex Smith for a year. They're obviously going no. to to start um, Trevor Lawrence, but he would have been that mentor role for his college coach uh, in Urban Meyer, and he was teasing that a little bit. Um, when I heard he initially was released by Washington, talking to some folks in Kansas City that know, know Alex, uh, he wanted to maybe be a starter again. And I don't think there was wow. any job out there that was going to offer that. And I think without that, I don't think he wanted to go through this Kaepernick Mahomes Heineke thing again by having to win another job. I, I think he had proven enough by just simply stepping back on the football field and having a team trust him to to get them uh, to where they wanted to go, which, again, it was a sad, sad NFC East. No offense, BLG, but uh, they were able to make the postseason, um, which was very, very impressive. And uh, Alex Smith, uh, again, never really a top 10 quarterback, but uh, in Kansas City, I could tell this too. He always just found a way to win, and I and that's how I will remember Alex Smith as a player. Quick question: This is from Leandro, who asked, "Do you think Alex Smith was worth was worth the first overall pick?" Let me answer this first as a Niner fan. Hundred percent. Like, yeah, he wasn't as good as Aaron Rodgers, no doubt. But the dude played in actually fourteen seasons, had a sixteen-year career, was a good quarterback not great like sometimes I think with number one draft picks we're either like oh he's he's got to be hall of famer or it's terrible like no he was a solid quarterback the team potentially could have gotten to a Super Bowl with him he wasn't the best quarterback in his class but he was absolutely worth the number one pick a solid pick a solid career I don't know uh, BLG what do you think worth the first pick I mean it's hard when you're talking factoring in opportunity costs and you're talking about Aaron Rodgers there. I would say, I mean, he wasn't a bust clearly, you know, right. I think, you know, you want to go to the extremes of that. It's, was it the, the most optimal pick? No, clearly not. Was it a bad pick? No, it was, it was a, it was a fine, good pick, solid pick. I would say I have one more question for Pete that I want to get to before I get to that. I just want to run into like what I was saying there with the NFCs. Like I, I can't help but wonder like, what if Alex Smith doesn't get hurt the way he does? in 2018 because you look at where they were Washington was at that time I mean they lost to Houston by two points in that week 11 game uh, they dropped to six and four I believe they were first in the NFC East at the time uh, and they only finished at seven and nine they had like Mark Sanchez Josh Johnson starting for them down the stretch it got really right. ugly for them but like maybe they win the NFC East uh, the Cowboys were the team that won it at 10 and six and Washington had already beaten Cowboys earlier in the year so they would have had the tiebreaker maybe um the Super Bowl defending champion Eagles potentially missed the playoffs in 2018. Foles doesn't go on that second run, which, you know, played a lot into the Carson Wentz th uh, things in Philly. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, that pick probably doesn't get forced 
and that doesn't happen. Uh, maybe Jay Gruden still has a job in Washington. So I just kind of think it's interesting to think about the fallout of all that. Um, but to my question, to kind of wrap this up for Pete, uh, what do you think happens next with Alex Smith? Because, you, you know, you heard about the Jacksonville thing. Um, I, I believe I saw Andy Reid saying, like, he has dibs on Alex Smith as a coach. So do you think that happens? Is Alex Smith, like, the next Eric B. Enemy? I don't think Andy Reid – I'm sorry. I don't think Alex Smith uh, wants to coach. Uh, that's just the feeling that I got when he was a, a player here. There was, If you really want to have a deep dive for you Alex Smith fans out there – there was an interview that he did that was off the cuff with Graham Bensinger, who occasionally will interview uh, these types of players. And they did talk about the 49ers tenure. They talked about uh, the Chiefs and and the fact that they had you know gone in a different direction with the quarterback. And I remember we at Arrowhead Pride say, oh, no, this is going to be the FU Alex, where he's now ticked off and ready and really had a great season in 2017. But if I'm remembering correctly, he had this moment with Benzinger where I think he was saying he doesn't want to do the day-to-day of football when it is over. And so I don't necessarily expect him to coach. I like his personality a lot. So there was definitely over the years, I mean, he's been in the league now forever as, um, as stats was saying, um, but over the years, he really developed this PR persona but Alex Smith is pretty funny when he's away from the cameras and really personable in the locker room and has this personality that I think without the pressure of having to like win for a team, he may be a fun guy to be. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, it's not a shot, but like a legitimate Orzlovsky where you like, he comes and <laughs> had some really like had some success in the league and can really speak to what it takes to win and make the playoffs and like lead a team. You know, I really like Orlovsky stuff, but I mean, as far as mm. a track record in the NFL, um, just having that background and coming on and like, maybe he works for an ESPN. I know he, um, uh, origins in California. That's where NFL network is located. Maybe once a week, they bring him in for the NFL car wash on a Monday. And he would be fantastic at analyzing, in my opinion, the quarterback position with some personality. So I think there's some room there. He said in his video, and I truly believe it. I think he'll take, he'll, he'll he's the type of guy that's going to take a year to just take a breath. Um, you know, really, really supportive wife. He's got three kids that he, I think he wants to just spend more time with. And then maybe like for the 2022 season, you see this type of role where he pops up and is like this spot analyst. Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride. You are going to be part of our SB Nation NFL live draft show. You are going to be manning the ship. You're going to be kicking it off. Are you That's excited right. about this? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, this is, this is, it doesn't get any bigger than this. We are going to, uh, be doing what our first live show for the NFL draft. We'll have some guests on. We're going to tap into our network to get the uh, personalities of those who run the sites with the pick upcoming. Uh, it's going to be well organized. We, we're, we're very excited about that and uh, can't wait to uh, see how the first 15 unfolds. And then I'll be passing the baton and we'll be with you guys what all night from from pick one to uh, 32. So really exciting stuff here for the SB Nation NFL show. Thank you very much for the time, Pete. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, fellas. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of the draft, BLG, there's plenty of draft rumors going around. 
Back in the day, Alex Smith was the first draft pick for the 49ers. They have a very important pick coming up. So let's get into some of the rumors here. Um, I continue to say, because Trey Lance had his pro day, his second pro day yesterday, and there's a lot of buzz about Trey Lance and the 49ers, and I don't care what the 49ers say publicly. I don't care how good Trey Lance looks in a pro day. I don't care how well Mac Jones fits in the Shanahan offense. There is no way the 49ers are taking those guys. It's going to be Justin Fields all day. I will take it to my grave. Do you have a source, Stats? No, I don't have a source. Common sense. Logic. It's mm. going to be Justin Fields. You don't move up to number three to get Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0 in Mac Jones. You move up to number three to get a super accurate passer, which Justin Fields is, who also is a guy who runs like a 4-4 as a quarterback. That's who you move up to number three. That's who you give up three picks to get. To me, it's clear. It's Fields, and it's not even close. I like Justin Fields. I think what's funny for me looking at this from the outside looking in with you is like you're saying this is logical, so it will happen. Now, I'm very much used to with the Eagles right now. This is logical. It won't happen. So that's where kind of my – uh, brain is operating at. I think you're so like convinced that they they have to do what makes the most sense. And I just I don't. I, I'm not saying I think it's 100 going to be Mac Jones. I don't know. No one knows. But I feel like you saying 100. You know it's not going to be him. Is just like I I can't agree because you see Peter King say it. You see Adam Schefter saying it. You can tell me the 49ers don't leak. I mean, that's just not true to me. I mean, everyone leaks because people talk at every level of every organization ever and say things that probably shouldn't or ideally always don't get out there. But I mean, this again, think about these names, Adam Schefter, Peter King. These are guys who know things. These aren't guys who are just getting used all the time to put info out there. So it just kind of makes me wonder, you know, if it is a slam dunk to be Justin Fields at number three. Again, I think it should be I think that should be the pick and is reasonable, but I'm just not like 100% convinced it is yet. Here's my rebuttal to that, because I understand like Schefter and Peter King and all those guys. You're right. They're big name insiders. But where were all those dudes when the 49ers traded for Jimmy Garoppolo? Nobody knew that was going to happen. Where were they when the 49ers traded DeForest Buckner? Nobody knew that was going to happen. What about when they made a trade with a team that Kyle Shanahan hates the most in Washington to acquire Trent Williams? Nobody was talking about that or the D4 deal or the Javon Kinlaw pick or the Brandon Ayuk pick. My point is nobody knows what the 49ers are going to do. We have seen just through their previous transactions that they can operate somehow without anybody knowing. So the fact that Peter King and Adam Schefter and all these guys are saying it's not going to be Fields that doesn't do it for me because we've seen the 49ers can do stuff sort of on the down low. So there's a comment here from Kevin Bergman. Do you want to read this stats? Is that why you pulled this up? Yes. Please know Justin Fields. His work ethic is terrible. Not the best choice either. Mac Jones or Trey Lance makes more sense. They have more field time. I mean, first of all, Mac Jones and Trey Lance have basically the same number of starts. I think Mac Jones has one more start in his career than Trey Lance. So I just, how do we know that Justin Fields' work ethic is terrible? Like, who is saying that? I, man, he is getting dragged through the mud in this pre-draft process. Yeah, there's a stuff in there that's not really good, too. I think when you're talking about, uh, you know, racial implications and everything, I, you know, I, I, which is a big issue, you know, that came out with 
Orlovsky's comments. Um, I want to say on Trey Lance, a little source for you stats here. Ooh. Breaking news, not really anything too major. But from those who uh, know Trey Lance, I will say, I will say that I have heard he kind of passes the uh, the character test with flying colors, like really good kid, um, really impressive young guy. Uh, so that's good to hear. And I think that's really important. I think we, we've touched on this before throughout the offseason, but it's not just about what these players can do. That obviously is very important and can't be discounted at all. It needs to be weighed heavily, but you also can't just ignore the off the field stuff. I feel like like such an underrated reason why players bust is because of that. Like I was talking about this, I believe, um, was it with Danny, or sorry, with RJ uh, yesterday or recently, like Danny Watkins, the Eagles pick in 2011, like he didn't want to play football. He wanted to be a firefighter. Like, I don't know how the Eagles missed that, but somehow they did. <laughs> and, and he like tricked everyone. And obviously not every bust is like that kind of, you know, drastic. It's like a guy who comes in and doesn't even actually want to play football at all. He wants to do something else. But I think there's there's something important about that. I was talking, yeah, I was talking to RJ about this with uh, Trevor Lawrence. And I don't think you need to like love football to the extent where like it's literally the only thing you do. I think it's okay to have outside interests to be clear. But like the passion has to be there though. Like there can be a balance, but like evaluating character and all that, that's important. 100%. And if you look at the history of the game, if you're talking about the greatest of the great, the guys that win, you know, multiple Super Bowls, almost all of them are maniacal about the game. They're not well-adjusted people. Trevor Lawrence (laughs) sounds like a well-adjusted, normal human being, which is great. But if we're just talking about football, go look at Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Those guys are in it every second of every day there is no turning it off there is a cost to greatness blg i don't think it's possible to be a great human being and a great football player and a great dad there's only so much time in a day like there's only so much you can devote to any one thing and if you're going to be truly elite truly great like inner circle hall of fame great I think you need to not be well-adjusted. You need to be maniacal. And Trevor Lawrence does not sound like he's a maniacal guy. Wow. So you think Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be any good? He's a No, I, I didn't say that. Put yet. that up on the sure. graphic on the screen. <laughs> I control Trevor the Lawrence graphics. a bust? That will not go up. No, I, I just think it's there's a difference there. And I also think that when you have a guy like that, I look at Andrew Luck, right? Like Andrew Luck, great player, but horrible situation in Indianapolis with Ryan Grigson could never put an offensive line around him and he got beat to hell and he started to get banged up and he was going through the rehab process every year. And I think he looked at it and he was like, I've made a ton of money. Hmm. What am I doing this for? I have other interests. It's not in my blood. You know, it's not like the, the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. That's why I think Andrew Luck was able to just walk away. You know, and maybe something like that happens with Trevor Lawrence. Again, totally not his fault. Maybe the team around him crumbles. He's always getting beat up. Like, I get it. Guys not wanting to be in that meat grinder. So that to me is where something like that, like those type of comments could come up again. I think it works to his favor, though. When you look again at how he played, and I said this on Monday Football Monday with RJ, but like he's so composed. I think that's one of the biggest like attractions to Trevor Lawrence. He never looks rattled. He never looks phased. And I think part of that is being centered in like football isn't literally the only thing that matters to him. Like this is a game that he has perspective. And I think that can be a strength. You know, it can also be a weakness if it goes to the extreme if you don't care about it. But if you're like centered, 
properly, then I think it can help. To your point about like there not being enough time in the day, I think there's something to that when you're talking about like at some level, all these guys are great athletes, not, mm-hmm. you know, to the same extent, but at some level. So where's the edge come in? Like, where's the differentiating factor? And I think it can be like, how much does this player want to win? How much do they want to get better? And that, again, goes into evaluating the character of these players and especially at quarterback. Like, how much, like, do they want to be like, you know, a, a famous person? Because I think some players go into the NFL wanting to do that. But that's, and whatever, that's their goal. I'm not going to tell them how to live their life, but that might not be the most successful NFL player if all they care about is like the fame as opposed to actually being good and winning football games. And I think there are a lot of players who play. Uh, and it's something like we don't think about necessarily collectively as fans, because, you know, I feel like we all think, you know, they love the game. And, and if we were in that spot, we, you know, we'd want to play. But like some of these people are doing this as a career choice and not everyone necessarily like loves their career. You know, like it's a job at some level for some people. It's literally just a job. I mean, I'm sure they care about it to some extent, but it's not all the same. There's different levels of that. So I think all that's interesting to think about. Everything goes into the pot when you're trying to decide, you know, who you're going to give millions of dollars to and who you're going to make the pick. And it's not, you know, one thing doesn't totally take a guy off the board, but everything goes in and you have to decide as an organization how much that matters to you. And maybe the Jags say, you know, it doesn't matter. That's fine. He's really talented. We could still be really good. But every team's got to decide for themselves. And by the way, that's another reason I want the Niners to take Justin Fields because I think he's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder. I think he's tired of playing second fiddle to Trevor Lawrence. So I think all this is is sort of going into the pot here. But let's look beyond the 49ers because there are other draft rumors that are swirling, BLG. I'll start with your Philadelphia Eagles. There is a report that they not they might not be done moving around the draft board. Apparently, they could move back up into the top 10. Uh, they are at 12 right now. What do you think will happen and what do you want to see happen? I've also seen they might move back. So really, we're covering all the bases. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna throw out a report right now. Stats, they're also considering staying at number 12. So there. Breaking news. Let me get a type up a graphic. Move up, stay put, trade down. They're thinking about all of it. Um, I think the move up makes a little bit of sense because especially if it's a small move up, again, let's say to number nine, because right now the Eagles pick at 12 and the Dallas Cowboys pick at 10. The New York Giants pick at 11. And I think making that small move up, which again, if you look at the draft pick value chart, um, it costs about like a late third. And the Eagles have two third round picks this year, including a late third from the Colts. So in theory, you know, the exact price, you know, you never know because it kind of depends on the precedent of other trades that are getting made in yep. the draft itself. It also depends on um, like the like the market for that pick. If there's a lot of teams trying to jump up to that spot, so you can't just like say, "Oh, it's a third, and that's it's that simple. It's 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 not that simple. But uh, if that's the move, I think there's some sense to that. Especially if the Eagles really wanted to get a corner, they would want to get ahead of Dallas, presumably, because they're a big threat, you know, to take a corner. Or if they really wanted an offensive lineman, I guess, because there's a you know it's a big threat as well. Let's say like Panay Sewell falls to number nine, uh, and they don't want Dallas to get him; they want to get him. So. Uh, all that's within range. Uh, trading down, also pretty possible if they want to get more picks. I think what's interesting to me, Stats, is the new rumor that also came out on Monday night about the Dolphins, who traded up to number, well, traded down to 12 originally, to the 49ers, and then moved back up to number six, the Eagles. Now they're like apparently interested in potentially moving down. <laughs> it's It's insane. Aaron Beasley of the Miami Herald said that they are open to moving down, especially if 
Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, and Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU, are off the board. My take on that is this, BLG. The Dolphins already have two firsts, two seconds, and two thirds this year. What do you get from trading down again and acquiring more picks? I know we sort of default to like, oh, you traded down, you got more picks. That's a good move. But like, you also need to stock your roster with really good players. And the fact remains, the higher you pick, the better your chances are of getting a good player. You know, I don't know that the Dolphins are served that that well by trading down again. Stay where you are or use some of those picks to move up and get some really good blue chip players. That's my thinking as well. But I do think it's interesting that like this could happen where let's say Washington at 19 or again, New England 15 the Bears at 20, all those guys, all those teams are candidates to make like a big move up. And let's say they move up to number six. I mean, that would be crazy because then you're comparing that, especially from an Eagles perspective of like, okay, what did they get? Because if they get like a bigger haul than the Eagles got for moving down, yeah, you know, like they did, like that's, what the heck is that? Like that, <laughs> that totally raises the question of like, why was that trade made so early when it was? And that's what I think one of the biggest criticisms of that Eagles trade was. It's like, why make this move now? When there's so much time and in theory, like the situation, the shape of the draft has still yet to play out and the quarterback, you know, uh, landscape and, and perspective and, and all that. And there could be another team trying to make a big move up. So uh, I, if I'm the Dolphins, I am staying put at six. Although, you know, if, if a team's going to make some kind of grand or not grandfather, godfather offer where you just can't say, you know, no, and it's a ton of picks and maybe there's a player or two in there, too. Might, that's what it might take to move up that much. Um, then I'm, I'm listening. I mean, you always have to listen for sure. Cause you never know when a team is going to do something stupid basically. But I don't know if I'm a dolphin fan, what I want to see is I want to see us start to use these picks now to load up surround Tua with some great players and let's go get this thing. You know, the Patriots seem like they could be on their way back. Buffalo is obviously going to continue to be a force with Josh Allen. Like you got to load up your division competition is tough. Stop moving down. Let's go here, Brian Flores. Let's see it. Load this roster up and go get it. That's what I want to see if I'm a Dolphins fan. I wonder, like the only, I guess trading down would be like, you don't believe in Tua, right? Or like, you're pretty concerned at that point. Maybe. Because it's like, we want to make sure we have all the assets that we possibly can to pivot if we need to. Or, you know, if Tua does work out at that point, then you're just building around him more. I think trading down would show like they want to keep more flexibility. It's not saying that like Tua's career is over and he's going to be benched. <laughs> they have no hope for him, but it's like they have significant concern where they're trying to make an exit strategy, basically, is what I would say. I think that's fair. Um, one more thing to get to before we go here, because this just happened before we press record. The Pittsburgh Steelers announced that they have signed Mike Tomlin to a three-year contract extension. He will be the coach for the Steelers through 2024. There's no denying the success that Tomlin has had there. Two Super Bowl berths, one Super Bowl championship in 2008. He's never had a season worse than 8-8. Eight and eight. He's a good coach. Here is my question, PLG. Hmm. Ben Roethlisberger is getting to the end of the road here, and we have never seen Mike Tomlin for any extended period of time without Big Ben. So are you confident that he is the right guy to take the Steelers into that next era? 
I am. I think Mike Tomlin, really good coach, and in part because he is maybe something we don't see enough of in today's NFL in terms of he's like the CEO head coach, right? He's not like, this is my defense or this is my offense. And also I'm the head coach, like the the head coach who's really also like the offensive or defensive coordinator. He's just like, I'm stepping back. I'm looking at all this. He's the coach of the football team as a whole. And I think that's clearly worked well for Pittsburgh. <laughs> They've had a lot of success. And, uh, you know, Big Ben has been undoubtedly a part of that. But uh, I think you look at the defensive success they've had. And I, I know I said, like, it's not just his thing. But, I mean, that's where his background is from. And what do you usually count on about the Steelers? That they have a good defense. So I think that's going to serve them well. Um, obviously, they're going to have to figure out the offensive side of the ball. They're going to have to figure out quarterback. I said yesterday on Monday Football Monday with RJ that like I would like to see the Steelers trade for Teddy Bridgewater. Not that he's going to be their long-term answer, but like kind of have a short term as they're trying to win now, have that backup for Roethlisberger. And also a guy who, if Roethlisberger is just shot, which is possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like he's just not like able to throw the ball effectively anymore, which we saw some of last year. Well, then, okay, you have a guy who can kind of be a game manager and maybe you can kind of make things work with a running game and a defense. Not the ideal way to win, but it's possible. So I'm cool with this. I think Tomlin, again, really, really good head coach. And uh, yeah, why, why, who else would you, what else would you want to do? I mean, sometimes I wonder if the Steelers get into a little bit of like, they sort of like the, you know, they've only had three head coaches in the past 175 years or whatever it is. Um, I think that you can have a CEO head coach like you're talking about when you have an all-time great quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger. But those guys are not easy to find if the Steelers did end up with a guy like a Teddy Bridgewater or an Alex Smith, you know, a good quarterback but not a transcendent guy Is Tomlin the guy that's going to get the Steelers over the hump without an all-time great quarterback? I don't know for sure that he is. I'm not saying that he's not. I'm just saying we clearly don't know that he is. I think we can say that we know that he like we'll look at how they did that. Not uh, you know 2020 2019. Look at how that team rallied. You know, from when it looked like they were left for dead in the season. What were they like? They were 0-3 at one point, and then they were, I forget what their record was. But they were like, it looked like things could have gone really bad for them. And they fought back hard just to go, I think, get to get to 8-8 eight eight with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Like, awful <laughs> quarterbacks. You give Tomlin something, like, legitimate to work with, and I'm sure he can do just fine. By the way, Mike Tomlin only turned 49 in uh march here so you know still pretty wow. young in, in football coaching years yeah he is you know he could be there for forever really a long time if he uh if he keeps this up yeah i mean he's literally been the steelers coach for 14 years and he's only 49 like that is that's wild that that streak of steelers head coaches probably not going to uh, be ending anytime soon well i, I think most steeler fans are happy with this i would say if you are a fan of the ravens or the browns or Cincinnati, how do you feel about this? Because that's a way I like to judge sort of moves like this. Is What do the other teams in your division think? I mean, I don't see how they would like it. I mean, they've been stable. Like, this is a – like, we, we can say – I think it's only natural because, you know, having gone through this with Andy Reid in Philly and him being the head coach forever, you get, you know, a sense of, like, complacency. You get a sense of, like, can't we just try something new already? You want to do yep. something new. It's and, and in general, coaches are made to be fired. You know, we see turnover. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, stability – 
isn't always the way to go. I mean, a lot of coaches, you know, win within what, like the first couple of years of getting hired. It's just the flow of the NFL. It's the flow of like a team, like having that new energy of a new staff. But, you know, the, the, there are the exceptions. And I think Tomlin's one of them, as long as Pete Carroll and Belichick, obviously to different degrees there. But I think, you know, very successful. And I think if you're a, a fan of one of those other teams, I mean, Look, you know, the Ravens have that with Harbaugh. They have yep. that stability. I think that's something they – I don't think they think, like, Tomlin's a joke or anything. I think they probably respect him. I don't think – I don't see how the Browns could possibly think Tomlin's a joke when, you know, <laughs> yeah. they've, they've had to, to figure out their head coaching situation. And then the Bengals have enough issues to worry about with their New Jerseys and everything uh, that they're not even allowed to be worried or, or, like, say anything about Tomlin. That's fair. I agree with everything you said there. Stability does count. I mean, we were talking, we opened the episode talking about Alex Smith. As soon as he got into a stable situation, either with Jim Harbaugh or with Andy Reid in Kansas City, he played well. You got the best out of him. And I think stability is un- underappreciated when it comes to the success of individual players and, of course, uh, teams as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief BLG. We are just days away from the NFL draft. Uh, I hope you guys uh, like the live stream. Everybody watching on Facebook, we really do appreciate it. I know we had a couple of hiccups, but hopefully, you know, we're getting our feet wet with this thing and we'll, we'll round into form as we get closer to the draft. There is a spirited debate in the comments, BLG, about Justin Fields and his work ethic. Like, Love it. You know, people say like, oh, I can't wait till the draft so we can get over all this stuff. But anytime you talk about quarterbacks in the draft, people go nuts. Yeah, I mean, uh, and this doesn't end with the draft. I mean, then you're just going to be debating, oh, did we get the right guy? Did we, oh, we missed this guy. We should have taken this guy instead. The, the debate lives on. Stats. It rages on forever. That's true. And all these quarterbacks are always going to be linked because that's just the way it works. The quarterback in your draft class, they're always going to be linked. Everyone's going to watching, going to be watching not only what your guy does, but what the other guys that you could have had. You love to talk about opportunity cost. We're always going to be watching about what the other guy did and maybe thinking, you know, would the grass have been greener on the other side? Absolutely. And uh, final thing I want to say stats is, did you not pick up on all and that iTunes review I read earlier at the top of the show was fake? Uh, I was curious because it was very similar to the one that Blue Spruce left talking about me and praising me and how great I am. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to be like, that's not real. He praised me or, you know, like, what was I going to say there without looking like a giant jerk? Well, that's the situation I wanted to put you in. So you uh, failed or passed? I don't know. One of those. <laughs> it's sad that we we don't know the difference, but oh, well, I'll try and do better next time. I'll try and call you out on it immediately. How's that? That sounds good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. Again, we remind you, please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, Like I said, a lot of fun stuff coming up. So hopefully you subscribe, you like what you hear, and we will talk to you next week. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.